Hello, I'm Karen Pascal. I'm the Executive Director of the Henry Nowen Society. Welcome to a new episode of Henry Nowen, Now and Then. Our goal at the Society is to extend the rich spiritual legacy of Henry Nowen to audiences around the world. And we invite you to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Because we're new to the world of podcasts, taking time to give us a review or a thumbs up will mean a great deal to us and will help us reach more people. This week, I have a wonderful guest with me, Father James Martin. Father Martin is a Jesuit priest, editor-at-large for America Magazine, and author of several best-selling award-winning books, including The Abbey, The Jesuit Guide to Almost Everything, Between Heaven and Mirth, Building a Bridge, and Jesus, A Pilgrimage. Father Martin frequently provides commentary in such places as the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and on all the major television and radio networks. Jim, it is a great pleasure to have you with us today, and I'm so glad when I said, what should we talk about? You suggested we talk about Learning to Pray, this book that you have written. It's a gem. Thank you. You know, it's a practical and it's a delightful book for everyone. I, I love the tone. Richard Rohr writes, the life of prayer is essential for a believer. And yet so many people feel frightened by prayer. Fear not, Jim Martin has written a brilliant introduction to prayer, which will help you encounter the living God who wants to encounter you. As I said, I enjoyed it so much, and I loved the tone in it. I thought it was wonderful. Um, You told me that Henry Nouwen had influenced your writing, had inspired you stylistically as well as spiritually, and that in a way it's, it's in that simplicity and the clarity of that. Um, and I found that about this book. I just found it such an easy, happy read, to be quite honest with you. Let's start to dig into your book. Uh, is prayer for everyone? Jim, what do you think? Yes. In fact, that's the um, the first line of the book, everyone can pray. And, and first of all, thank you for the nice compliments about the book. I'm glad you, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you found it a happy book. It, uh, it's about encountering God, which I think is something that brings people joy. Um, everyone can pray. I think the problem is that many people have found prayer dry. They don't know what to do when they close their eyes. They don't know what to expect. And then they end up comparing it to what 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 they hear about other people's prayer. And they think, well, I guess I'm not praying well because nothing really happens. You know, they expect big mystical moments. And sometimes those come, but there's also some times of dryness. So in the book, I talk about not only how to pray and offer people practices, but say what happens when you pray and what, what does happen and what's supposed to happen and what you can expect, basically. So that I try to demystify it a little bit. That may make the assumption that anybody reading this book needs to already have a sense of faith, whether it be Christian or otherwise. But you dare to say that this book is also for agnostics. Tell me a little bit about why you think that's the case. Well, because I think agnostics are still seekers. Uh, I mean, I think if you're an atheist and completely don't believe in God, then it might be a hard, hard book for you. But I think that there are a lot of people in this world who are seeking and searching and who don't quite know and aren't quite sure and one of the invitations for them is to, in the book is to recognize that experiences that they have already uh, of, of connection, of awe, of wonder, of desire, especially um, uh, wanting to uh, get a sense of you know, what more is there in life, are ways that God has of inviting them into a deeper relationship. And so I talk about also you know, how to sort of identify those times when God is calling out to you. It's an interesting phrase, when God is calling out to you. Do you think, why do you think God is calling out to us? But tell me about that core bit of this that that we need to feel comfortable with. 
Sure. I think that most people would say that uh, God calls them to certain things. If you talk to a married couple, they might say, of course, God called us together. And you say, all right, well, how did God do that? Well, we fell in love with each other. We were attracted to each other. Uh, you know, a person who is a, is an attorney or a, or a physician might say, oh, you know, God drew me to this. How did that happen? Well, God, you know, I was interested in it. And that's the way God works, through desire. And I think in the spiritual life, at the most basic level, God um, calls out to us by placing within us the desire for God. Um, I, you know, one of my favorite quotes is St. Augustine, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And I think that very restlessness is is one way that God has of calling out to us. You know, I always say, how else would God draw us closer other than to awaken in us the desire for God? So so that desire for prayer, and even people who are listening to this podcast must be interested in praying, uh, is a sign that God is calling to you. And once people recognize that, that it's not simply them being interested or them being curious or uh, even them desiring a relationship with God, it's it's God who takes the initiative. God's always in charge. And I think that's that can be really comforting for people because they know it's not just them sort of launching into this quest. It's funny you say that because I remember when I was a thousand miles away from God, uh, you know, doors all closed. I'm not going there kind of attitude in my heart. I remember I would look at a beautiful scene of nature and I would feel like there was a whisper within me. I made that. And I remember that being, you know, sort of drops of water on a very hard heart. But it was sort of God, I think, just continuing a conversation that I thought I had closed off, but it's speaking through all of creation. I, I'm sure I'm sure people do hear whispers, do hear whispers within them, but doubt, where did that come from? Or is that, and when I say whispers, I'm not really talking about an audible voice, but I'm just talking about those kind of murmurings that happen in our inner life, in our, in our mind, and in our imagination, and in our spirits. I think that's absolutely right. And I think that the the problem is that most people don't listen to those whispers or they think it's, oh, you're right. And it's not some oral voice. It's it's kind of a nudge or an impulse or a, an intuition or an attraction or something that appeals and, or even, you know, even words can kind of come into your head, you know, as you were describing, you know, I made this or I created this. And most people tend to ignore that or people who aren't attuned to the spiritual life might say, oh, it's just in my head or, you know, that just came up and I'm not going to pay attention to it. And I think one of the the lines that I, I like comes from a friend of mine, a, a Jesuit who died very young. His name was Bob Gilroy. Um, he's told me once that people have experiences like that, but he really put it well, but they're not encouraged to take them seriously. Mm -hmm. Right. They're not yeah. they're not encouraged. No one says to them, well, you know, have you ever had an experience like that? And so Part of it is paying attention to, to just the kinds of experiences you were describing. It's interesting because it was one of the things I loved about your book was you took your, you took us back into your childhood and your experiences mm -hmm. of somehow connecting with God. And they, were, they weren't anything super dramatic, but they were mm -hmm. also at the same time they'd imprinted in you a possibility. And I think that's interesting because what, what do you think about childhood prayers? I mean, clearly, maybe children are more open to praying than adults are. Yeah, and I would say first, uh, to bring you back to your introduction, uh, one of the reasons that I'm able to speak about my own background is, is Henry Nouwen. I mean, that, that his, his way of speaking about his life, I would say Henry Nouwen and Thomas Merton, also, also Dorothy Day and Kathleen Norris and other spiritual writers, but especially Henry Nouwen, who was able to talk about 
his life and use it, you know, as a kind of illustration uh, for what can happen in the spiritual life. But uh, to answer your 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 question, I was able to identify in my childhood. I mean, I think most people can if they look carefully enough. Moments of God's presence, and you know, as you say, I wasn't particularly religious, um, but I think if if most of us look back and sort of mine our childhood or, or even our young life, we can see those moments. And I do think uh, that that children are more open to that. And why is that? It's because they don't have like as many expectations put down on them or burdening them about what the spiritual life should be or could be. or And so they just talk naturally about their experiences of God, which I find really charming. And, you know, eventually they're, you know, that might be, um, they, they might feel self-conscious about that as they get older, but I think children are naturally religious. I think most, I think human beings are naturally religious and that's what we see in kids. That's interesting. What's your kind of, as you write this book, you obviously wrote it for a reason. Why do you think we should pray? <laughs> yeah, well, the main reason is because because God desires it, because God has planted in us that desire for a relationship. But from our point of view, it's to enter into a deeper relationship with God who desires you. Uh, I sometimes say to people, well, you know, who is God in your life? And they say, oh, you know, God's the most important thing in my life. Well, well, how much one-on-one time do you spend with God? Oh, well, not a whole lot. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, I often say, if you said to me, so-and-so is the most important person in your life, you know, a spouse or a parent or a best friend, and then you said, "I, I never spend any one-on-one time with that person, you would say, well, what's what's up with that relationship? And so prayer is one-on-one time with God, you know, who wants to be in relationship with us. And uh, that that's basically what it is for me. I, in the book, I call it um, conscious conversation with God that, you know, that can happen in many different ways. Yeah. You, you do kind of suggest a, a whole number of ways. And one of the things I'm so struck by, I mean, you've You've been a Jesuit now for, is it 30 years? You've been a Jesuit mm-hmm. for a yeah. long time. And the reality being, you've probably been well-schooled in prayer, I would imagine. You know, you've probably learned and read and all of that. What kinds of things would you want to say to others as they say, okay, I'm going to try. I'm going to, or <laughs> I'm going to, there there may be people listening to this that say, yeah, uh, I am a, a believer and I do pray, but what have you got for me? What how how could that become richer or deeper or more significant in my life? Well, one thing that the book does is to offer you different ways of praying. So most people have one way that they like to pray, right? I like mm-hmm. the rosary or I like my contemplative prayer or my centering prayer or my Ignatian contemplation or this is it. And in fact, I've run into people like that on retreats. You know, I've said, well, let's let's try this. No, this is the way I like to pray, <laughs> which is fine. Yeah. But if you compare that to a relationship, uh, this is this is an insight from Father Bill Barry, a Jesuit priest who died recently. His great insight was that you could compare a relationship with God to a relationship with a friend. And so that sort of to help you gauge that. And if you said the only way I relate to my friend is by going out to dinner every single week on Friday, you could say, well, that's nice, you know, to go out to dinner every single week on Friday. But are there other ways that you could relate to your friend, maybe taking a walk on a beach or going on a trip or watching a movie together or, you know, writing letters or whatever? Um, and the same with prayer goes, which is that there are other ways of praying. The other thing is that there's no right way to pray. The, the right way to pray is the way that brings you closer to God. And then finally, I think the thing that is most confusing to people, which was most confusing to me, and one of the reasons I wrote this book, the main, one of the main reasons, 
was to actually talk about what happens when you pray. Like, what are you talking about when people say, oh, the fruits of prayer, or I felt close to God? What does that mean? And so I talk about specifically what actually comes up in prayer. You know, James, I'm I'm just going to say at this point, just for our broader audience, not everybody's Catholic, and they may not pray the Mm -hmm. rosary or even know what the examine is. Mm -hmm. Uh, This book is for everyone. I got so much out of it. That's not my religious tradition, but I just enjoyed it because— it just challenges me to enter into an intimacy with God. And I actually loved learning about the exam. And I have to tell you, that's going to be my new prayer thing. I'm, I'm going after that. But let's go back a step and you tell me what you, what are people going to experience? From the book or in prayer, do you mean? In prayer. <laughs> well, right. So the question is, what happens when you pray? And when I was a Jesuit novice, uh, I I you know, was invited to start praying in a particular way. And I thought, well, what's supposed to happen? I mean, I think that's the big mystery. What, well, okay, I close my eyes and, and now what? And so I talk about emotions that come up, right? Sadness, uh, joy, anger, sometimes uh, when you're reading a scripture passage, insights, I mean, literally intellectual insights that sort of get sort of uh, solved in your mind sometimes or problems that are solved. Um, feelings, uh, desires, right? A desire to, to live a holier life, a desire to learn more about Jesus or about God, um, words and phrases that come up, mystical experiences, feelings of calm. And I talk about those as the fruits of prayer, things that um, sometimes happen, sometimes don't. You know, prayer can be dry. And then talk about ways of discerning whether or not they're coming from God or not, because not every thought that comes into your mind is, you know, a big message from God. You know, I quote a friend in the book who says, you know, not every time a leaf falls in front of you on the sidewalk is is God's communication. <laughs> but, you know, in prayer, when you're really attentive to God and, and God is with you in a different way, you know, you need to be pay attention to what comes up. And so a, a big part of the book is saying what actually happens, because I really have felt I mean, I'll, I'll confess this. I have felt frustrated by books um, that I read, you know, years ago when I was first starting all this that would just talk about, yes, and then when you do this, you'll feel a sense of closeness. Well, what does that mean? What are you talking about? Or, you know, when God speaks to you or communicates and you think, well, what does that mean? Is that supposed to mean I'm supposed to hear voices or see visions? And no, the answer is no, it's it's much more subtle. And so I, t- I talk about some of those subtle ways in the book to help people, you know, really get a handle on what's 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 happening. You write, uh, and I thought it was very significant, that in a sense, we can, we can miss having an adult spirituality because we just stay with our childhood spirituality. Maybe mm-hmm. that's where our prayers have kind of ended, you know, whether it's just mm-hmm. petition prayers or it's now I lay me down to sleep or it's, you know, the very uh, reality of a grace that we've said every single day at every single meal. Tell me about what you're really what you think we're called into? Well, I think we're called into an adult relationship with God. And that doesn't mean we, we are any less uh, reverent or awestruck or, or humble before God. But if you pray the same way that you did, you know, there's, there are certain prayers that obviously will still work. I mean, I'm st- I still say the Our Father and the Hail Mary, and there's still some, there's nothing wrong with those prayers. I'm just saying that um, you know, if you approach your adult life with a child's spirituality, you're going to be frustrated. I think I compared in the book to math, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's important to know your times tables and how mm-hmm. to add and how to mm-hmm. subtract. But if that's all you know, 
then you might be, you know, struggling. Or if, if all you know about the English language or whatever language you speak is what you've learned in grammar school, you might struggle a little bit. So it's just, you know, it's just a, a reminder that we need an adult uh, spirituality, which sometimes means basically um, just experiencing new prayers and, and being open to the new ways that God has in store for you. That's one of my favorite quotes. It's from a Jesuit named Carlos Valles. Um, if you always imagine God in the same way, no matter how good and how beautiful, you'll never be open to the new ways that God has in store for you, right? And so mm-hmm. we'll also relate to God in a different way, um, you know, as we as we get older, because we're we're different people. Yeah, yeah. I I have a certain kind of prayer that I remember from a, a certain period of my life. I wouldn't say it's as, as frequent now, but I'd call it my propeller prayers. It would be I would mm. be propelled from my bed in the middle of the night, sheer <laughs> fear and anxiety overwhelming me. How was I going to solve the world I was living in and how was I going to survive? And uh, those were in the middle of the night, screams for God, are you there? Are you there, God? And uh, I look back and I say, you know, it's okay to scream at God and cry. Where where are you? Will you come into my mess and make something of it? And I would imagine today as we're talking and we know people are experiencing some of the horrors and fallout of this pandemic I can imagine mm-hmm. there's people in the middle of the night going, how am I going to survive? What would you mm-hmm. say to them about prayer? I would say God wants your honesty. Yes. And that if we look in the Gospels, we see people who are constantly coming up to Jesus and asking him for help, right? I mean, the disciples do it all the time. You know, uh, at, at the story of the storm at sea where the disciples are on a boat in the middle of a raging storm in the Sea of Galilee. They say, uh, don't you care about us? Right. I mean, Jesus is asleep and that's 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 the disciples, you know, who knew Jesus. So, look, if the disciples, you know, could express their fear with Jesus right in front of them, certainly we can we can express our fear. And, you know, you look at the history of the Psalms that are, you know, the, the Psalms crying out, you know, how long, O Lord, in Psalm 13, how long will you, will you forget me forever? So God, I think, not only uh, can handle our our honesty, even our anger or our fear, as you were saying, but God wants it. God wants it's part of being in a mm-hmm. in a in an honest relationship. Because what happens if you are in a relationship where you say only the things that you think you should say? Well, then the relationship gets cold and distant and formal. And so, this is a, just an encouragement to people to be honest in prayer. It's interesting because uh, I recall in the midst of some of those. One of those very intense prayer times for me where I was basically screaming my pain at God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I opened the Bible and I got, come let us argue together. And I thought, my God <laughs> is big. I can I can voice my pain and he's not afraid of it and he has something for me. So I, 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 I would encourage people. <laughs> but it does lead us to the question, okay, why are some prayers not answered? Well, that's a good question, and I, I talk about that also in the book. And I basically what I try to do is look at the, the 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 responses to that question that are largely unsatisfactory. So one response is, well, God always answers your prayers, but with something better. Well, okay, sometimes, right? But you know, if if you're talking to the parents of a child who has died of cancer, are you going to say, oh, that was better than having the child cured? I mean, that's pretty monstrous. Or God answers your prayer, but the answer is no, right? And that's also pretty harsh to say to a family, right, who's lost a child or, or any sort of loved one. Or God answers your prayers, but it's hard to see how. And then that 
you know, that makes God out to be almost this sort of, you know, kind of trickster or puzzle master. You're supposed to figure it out. And in the end, really, um, why some prayers, let's say, seem to be answered and seem not to be answered um, is a mystery, right? And I, I think we really need to be blunt about that. It's very mm-hmm. hard because Jesus says, ask and you will receive, right? Mm-hmm. It sounds like whatever you ask for in prayer, you will get. And that is clearly not the case, right? No matter how much mm-hmm. you try to argue that that's actually true. I mean, if I pray, you know, my father um, died in 2001 from lung cancer. I prayed for him to be healed. He wasn't, right? So um, it wasn't answered. Now, that doesn't mean that God isn't with me. God wasn't with my father. God isn't with my family. God consoles us. God, you know, accompanies us. God leads us. But that particular prayer was not answered, at least, you know, as far as I could see. Um, And I think the, the final answer is why some prayers are answered or seem to be answered and other prayers don't seem to be answered is a mystery. That is something that is beyond us. So the invitation is to believe in a God that we don't understand. And I, I, and that, that's the invitation. And even the disciples, when they were around Jesus, they didn't quite understand him. But So that, that's the invitation. That's where faith comes in. But I think it's really important to be clear about that with people and not give them fake answers and say, well, it's, it, it, it's something better. I think that's, that kind of is pretty monstrous for people in really difficult situations. It's interesting because I, I... – I love that passage that God describes himself as the God of all comfort. And all I can mm. think of is that somehow when we experience loss that is devastating and doesn't seem like any kind of answer to our prayer, it is the hope that God will comfort. I don't think it's fast or instant or whatever, but I do believe that that's part of God's nature to come to the lowest oh, I, places that we are. Oh, I agree. And I think of, you know, for the Christian, if you look at Jesus, you see a God that understands us not only because he's divine and knows all things, right? But also because he is human and experienced all things. Jesus, you know, when we pray to Jesus and when Jesus is with us through the spirit in prayer, he is someone who understands these things, who know, uh, you know, I mean, to take my own example of my father, Jesus is, Foster Father Joseph uh, most likely died before Jesus's public ministry began, right? Because mm-hmm. he's not on the scene yeah. in any of the miracle stores or in Jesus's public ministry, and so Jesus understands this. Yeah, and so it is a God who is with us, as you say, the God of all comfort. It's interesting because somebody who had had to face that was C.S. Lewis. Uh, mm. I happened to do a documentary on Lewis, and uh, mm. and obviously he was so challenged by mm-hmm. the death of Joy. He had mm-hmm. married late in life, and this was an incredible, wonderful marriage they had for a brief time, and then uh, and she experienced healing from cancer, and then she died after that, and it, it was a devastating time for him. And I love a quote that you have in there: "Prayer, uh, uh, it doesn't, it does not change God; it changes me." And I think Mm -hmm. that's an interesting aspect. How do you feel prayer has changed you, Jim? Well, I would say first, I I struggle with that quote. I think it does change us, but I think that, and I don't think we can, quote unquote, change God, but I think it's it's important for us to express our needs to God, right? And ask for, let's say, God's help. That might be a better way of saying it. Yeah. Uh, Because I think sometimes that quote is used to say, you know, almost don't pray or don't expect God to help you. But I, I think it's changed me by basically making me more aware of the presence of God in my life, right? So the examine prayer, which you've mentioned, which is a review of the day, um, very simple prayer. I, I think I call it the easiest prayer. 
is is a way of seeing where God is present. And so it just makes you more attentive. I, when I was growing up, I think I thought of God as sort of the great problem solver or like a cosmic uh, gumball machine, to use an old-fashioned analogy, where, you know, you'd pray and pray and pray, and maybe once in a while a prayer <laughs> would be answered out of the blue. Yeah, exactly. But But the idea that God would want to be in a relationship with you, that God would be present to you every day, that you would be able to see signs of God's presence, I thought, well, that's crazy. Who, you know, I'm not, I'm not Jesus. I'm not some saint. So that's really the main way that it's changed me. It's, it's made me more aware of God's presence in my day and in the, the days of other people, too. So um, I do a lot of what's called spiritual direction, helping people understand their prayer. Well, I, I know I've gained a lot from this book, so I'm going to encourage people to get it. I think it's great. And I, as I said, I love the, the whole chapter on the daily exam, and that is something I, I want to try out and live. Uh, maybe I have done it in an unconscious way, but I found it mm-hmm. very helpful just to see what it included in that. Maybe you would just quickly say, what is part? what are the parts of the exam? Sure. So the examine is a, a review of the day to see where God has been. And you start by placing yourself in the presence of God, as you do in any prayer, which is just sort of calling to mind God's presence. And then you start with gratitude and just call up the things to mind that you were grateful for in the day. You know, a piece of good news, a nice phone call, a, you know, a good meal, uh, a good night's sleep or a nap. Uh, and you give thanks to God for those things. And we, we start with gratitude to really ground us in that and remind us of God's blessings. And then you review the day, start to finish. You go from, you know, the morning, noon, and night, and just try to see where you have felt God's presence, where you feel like you've encountered God. And then having gone through the day, you'll probably see places that you see see yourself committing sins or some sort of failings. You ask for forgiveness, and then you ask for God's grace for the next day. So it's really a review, and it's often easier to see where God was in the past, right? I mean, oftentimes people say, about something that happened years ago. Oh, now I can see where God was. Well, that's that's the that's the insight of the examine, which is to notice those things uh, in in the day that has just passed. It's very simple, mm-hmm. usually about ten or fifteen minutes, and people do it at the end of the day, and it's it really helps to jumpstart your spiritual life. I like it. I, it was it it made sense to me. Now we're going into Lent. Uh, this. Uh, this podcast is going to play the week that Lent begins. Tell me a little bit, what are your Lenten traditions and how do you welcome people into this? What is Lent? Let's start with that. And then how do you welcome people into Lent? Sure. Well, Lent is the 40-day period before Easter. It's a time of preparation. And, uh, you know, we, we prepare ourselves for I mean, Christ has already risen from the tomb. We have, to, we have to always remember that. He's already risen. But we prepare ourselves for the celebration of Easter. And, and often it's a time of um, you know, deepening of one's spiritual life, repentance, of course. Uh, a lot of people try to give things up. Um, I think it's a great time. I think Lent and Advent are great times of trying to get your spiritual life in order. Now, I think it, it for me, I think it... Um, it, it can go beyond simply giving up chocolate, right? I mean, which is fine, <laughs> right? I mean, if you're trying to make yourself healthy. But I, I tend to encourage people to do sort of more positive things, meaning rather than giving something up, to try to, for example, be more kind. That's that's the thing I usually try to suggest for people. Just be kinder. Just be more generous. And I, I tend to think I'm not going to speak <laughs> on behalf of God, um, but I would tend to think that Jesus would probably something would like something like that more than giving up chocolate, right? I, I think in the scheme of things, to be more generous and more kind and more loving is probably something that God wants more so. 
So there's lots of different ways of preparing for Lent. Those that's that's what I've tried to focus on the last couple of years, being more kind. Well, it's it's interesting. I'm I'm going to encourage people. Here's a wonderful book you could bring into your life during this time, but it it will be something that may actually be a turning point for you in the ways that you have opened us up to prayer in this book, learning to pray. I think it could be such a valuable tool. One of the things we're doing at the Henry Nouwen Society, we have book discussions at a few times in the year. And during Lent, we're doing a book discussion from from Henry's book, The Sabbatical Journey. And anybody can Mm -hmm. enter in. It's an online discussion. What I thought thought was very interesting, I I learned from um, speaking with Michael Christensen recently about the book of discernment, that a great deal of what he drew in that book came from Henry's journals, because Mm. only maybe a third of what Henry wrote in his journals actually ends up in the books that are published. Mm. But what he said was, what you find is the discernment of of how to hear God. What direction am I to go in? And, And that's a big thing about prayer. We want to know, God, am I in the right place? Where am I going? Um, is there anything that needs changing? Are there, lift my eyes from being just absorbed with the petty to something bigger in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I would invite people into that. I also would like to suggest that people could join you. You have, uh, is it every day at three o'clock you have an online ministry? I, uh, it's actually now every Friday, Friday? at 3 p.m. Uh-huh. Eastern time. It used to be every day, but it got to be <laughs> overwhelming. It started when the pandemic started uh, in middle of March, I think around um, Lent. It must have been still Lent or maybe right after Easter. And it's a, it's a, it's on my Facebook page, Father James Martin. And every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern time, we just we look at the Sunday gospel reading and then just uh, open that up and and talk about the events of the day. It's a, I, it's a nice, we have about usually about a thousand people um, and a lot of people comment. It's a nice community that we've built up. Uh, and it's, I didn't expect to do it for so long, but uh, people enjoy it and I enjoy it too. So it's a nice way to share our faith and to talk about the gospels. Well, I will join you on Friday. I'm going to be listening in. I think it's a good idea and I recommend Great. it to everyone. And I thank you, Jim. I, I You're such a good friend to the Henry Now in Society. I know Henry has been an influence on your life and that feeds through and what you share and I just thank you so much for the ways in which you continue to kind of open our eyes and give us uh, new ideas about how to live out our faith and this this book learning to pray is a really good one well thanks and it's my pleasure and it's wonderful to be able to give back uh, to the Henry Nowen Center after all you've done for me and after all Henry has done for me in my own spiritual life so thank you very much thank you so much for joining us today Jim I'm, I really appreciate all that you've shared Thank you. My pleasure. I hope you come away from this interview with Father James Martin as inspired and as encouraged as I was. I highly recommend his book, Learning to Pray. It's one that's a real treasure and it will open you up to new ideas and new possibilities. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd be so grateful if you'd take time to give it a stellar review or a thumbs up or even share it with your friends and family. As well, you'll find links in the show notes on our website for any content, resources, or books discussed in this episode. There's even a link for books to get you started, in case you're new to the writings of Henry Nowen. Thanks for listening. Until next time.